1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise, brought to you every Sunday morning at this time by USA Wealth Group. This morning we have a special guest who's a frequent guest, but she's also a special guest, and that's attorney Tenny Lance. So good morning, Tenny. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Tenny, do you like bugs? Bugs? Bugs. Do you like bugs? Insects. That's an odd first question, but no. Well, we had a funny incident happen in our household this past week. We had this monster bug. I mean, the thing must have been an inch and a half long, two inches long. It was a big, big bug. I thought it was one of those monster bugs. Um, wasps that are talked about from Washington State. The West Coast. No, it was definitely not a wasp, but it was certainly a big bug with big long wings. And he flew up into one of the skylights that was in the bathroom. And I went down to get the fly swatter and brought the fly swatter back up. And I was looking for a way to squash this guy. But And he made a really loud bzzz, buzzing noise, didn't he? Yeah, he was huge. So, and I so- dreamt about him all that night. Ooh. Yeah. Tenny's solution was real simple. Um, close the bathroom door and don't let him out. <laughs> but he was up too high to reach in any event. And um, so the next morning, I opened the door carefully, looked all around. No sign of this monster bug. It's because he was hiding behind the shampoo bottle, which I found out when I got in the shower. Do you think that's what actually what happened? Yes, I know it was. He was there. <laughs> I almost jumped out of the shower myself. Oh, that would have been interesting. Well, in any event, um, this is a quotation from somebody named Emile Ciaran. What would be left of our tragedies if an insect were present us his tragedies. But you have to finish the story because there's a whole side of you that I never knew existed. Well, I plan to. 50-some years later. Well, I plan to. So we had this monster bug in the house, and the first instinct was to grab the fly swatter and kill him, put him out of his misery, put him outside. But I couldn't find him, so Tenny found him, I guess, when she was in the shower. Okay, so I didn't realize that. But then he disappeared again. And then he ran around the corner, apparently. He he got up in the window. And by the time I went poking around looking for him in the window, he was gone again. So a whole day went by. No sign of this monster bug. And I'm not sleeping. And then we found him downstairs, and he was in front of the um, dining room table up in the window. And Tenny was trying to direct me. So anyway, he came down, so he was within reach. I had the fly swatter in my hand. I looked at the guy. And I went and I grabbed two tissues and put them together and tried to grab this bug. He was a ferocious fighter. He went buzzing like crazy. And three times I tried to grab him with the tissues, and I couldn't. He slipped right out of my grasp, and I didn't want to squish him. So finally I got him, and it was like my whole hand was alive. It's buzzing and vibrating. He was fighting for fury. So then I opened the slider. And I went outside with him to the edge of the deck, and I carefully let him out. And he wasn't injured, he wasn't harmed, and he flew just like a little bird all the way over to the trees. And I felt like I had done my good deed for the day. Uh, You came in and said he was too beautiful to kill. And I thought, wow, that's a side of Ray that I did not know existed. (laughs) A beautiful bug. (laughs) Well... You know, I figured this guy was such a ferocious fighter and put up such a fight for his life. What a shame it would be just to put him out of his misery. So I let him go outside, and he was happy. I just hope he wasn't the monster hornet. No, that's going to be totally okay as long as he doesn't come back to revisit. Right. So we hope that that doesn't happen. (laughs) But no, I've actually done that at the office before when sometimes we'll have a bee come in. I'm not too keen on saving wasps because they're really nasty. But I've taken a few bees that have come in before and put them outside. Yeah, bees are A couple of crickets once in a while. But why squish a bug? They were here before we were. They'll be here long after we're gone. (laughs) Now, tie that in with the subject matter of today. Well, let me think how I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today we're going to be talking about choices that you have in life, specifically 
If you want to start a business or if you are in business, what kind of business entity should you have? Should you be a sole proprietorship? Should you be a partnership? Should be a limited liability company? What about the possibility of a corporation? And they're all different kinds of corporations. You know, Tenny, forming a new business and deciding what entity to use is not necessarily a simple thing. By the way, before we really get going, I want to say that um, this is baseball season. I have not seen a single baseball game this year. I'm not sure if you have. Um, They're on television, I guess, once in a while. But the whole season has been totally shortened. So today, one of the things I'm going to do as we get started is I've got some great quotations from Casey Stengel. Oh, that's the connection. Boy, sometimes, folks, it's hard to figure out how his brain works, but it's it's too busy a brain. I just wish I could identify what kind of a big insect bug that was that came into our house, but I don't know what kind it was. So let's talk about some of the advantages of having a corporation. You know, one of the simplest advantages is if you form a corporation to run your business, it looks like you are more business-like. So sometimes if you want to go for a bank loan or something like that, you've got a corporation that's been in business for a little while, it looks like you're really organized about what you're doing. Uh, That's the least of the things that we want to talk about. But let's talk about a sole proprietorship uh, for starters. I've got this great little chart. And by the way, if anybody would like a handout, uh, one of our software programs that we use allows us to do a lot of information. And so one of the reports that I just printed out for this is called Advantages and Disadvantages of Corporations. And then it starts out right away with talking about the different kinds of organizations. So, Tenny, let's talk about some of the advantages of a corporation in general. Number one, you have limited liability. That's the basic nature of a corporation. So shareholders are generally not liable for the debts and the obligations, the liabilities of the corporation beyond whatever money they've paid in for their shares. But if you're a small business and you want to borrow money from a bank, they're going to require your personal guarantee anyway. So you can't hide behind a corporation in that sense. On the other hand, if you have a creditor who comes after you and you're incorporated, it's going to be much more difficult for the creditor to get anything other than to get at the assets of the corporation and not your individual assets. So that's an important thing, isn't it? It gives you some protection from creditors and from debts and liabilities. Yes, and I guess the basic question that most people um, face if they're in business is do they remain a sole proprietorship or what's usually known as a DBA, doing business as, or do they go to the trouble and the extent of forming a corporation which requires some filings with the Secretary of State Mm -hmm. and um, paying for those filings and so forth. So that's the basic underlying question. And then the types of corporations are the next point of decision. Okay, so let's talk just a little bit about the corporation and one of the some of the advantages or disadvantages of corporations. And again, if anybody would like a copy of this report, it's about 13 to 14 pages long. It talks about different choices of entities. We're more than happy to give a copy of this to you. You can call attorney Tenny Lance at 508-998-8800. You can call me at 508-998-8858, and somebody will be happy to send this report to you. So the other major advantage of an incorporation is that it has uh, an unlimited life for the most part. So it has continuity. So even if the shareholders die or sell their shares, the corporation continues in existence. But there's things you have to do that we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. You have to file annual reports with the Secretary of State's office. If you don't file them, then they have the right at the Secretary of State's office to dissolve your corporation. And then there's procedures where you can pay up your back amounts of money, file your back annual reports, and you can get back into existence again. But a corporation has 
a longer existence that can continue even after you're gone or even after you sell your own shares. It's also fairly easy to transfer shares in a corporation. So, Tenny, you do a lot of work with estate planning. You see people who have small business corporations. I would assume that one of the things that you do is you have them change the shares of the corporation into the name of their trust, for example. Yes, exactly. Um, As part of preparation for a living trust that we do a lot of, we ask people to indicate to us what their assets are, including if they hold any shares in a corporation, if they uh, have their own corporation and own all their shares. And then after the trust is formed, one thing that we would generally do is suggest that those shares be reissued in the name of the trust so that they are not something that will go to probate, just like any other asset. So in other words, if somebody has shares in a corporation, whether it's a public corporation or whether it's their own private corporation, and they do trust planning to protect their estate, one of the things you have to do is you have to change the name on the shares of the corporation to the name of the trust. Right. You don't have to, but if you don't, but you should. then you should, for sure. Because if you don't, then th- those shares will go through the probate process. I had uh, an older lady with uh, her children in the office yesterday, and she owns shares of Coca-Cola stock um, and has owned them basically forever. And I kept asking, who owns those shares? Well, I do. I said, well, did they ever get in the trust? Well, how would I know? Um, so it's it's not always easy to do it, but it's important to do. And sometimes you have to track down the corporation itself and find out whose name those shares are registered in. Right. And many times now, shares are not issued on... Um, certificate paper the way the old ones were. Um, They're often just book shares, so-called. They're held electronically? Yeah. And they're managed by uh, a particular company, one of which is ComputerShare, or Bank of New York Mellon uh, will often manage shares. So sometimes I'll say to people, did you ever get a small check uh, once a year, maybe, from Computer Share or Bank of New York Mellon and wonder what it was, and they'll say, yeah, gee, I never did know what that was. It's because they own shares in a corporation, um, usually something like Prudential Insurance or MetLife, when they demutualized, gave stock out to their policyholders. And therefore, that stock is something that you own. But boy, it's hard to track down and hard to figure out. Yep. And that's a good point, too. Sometimes people in the past have had a a life insurance policy with John Hancock, Prudential, MetLife. And a lot of those companies had class action lawsuits filed against them for not having enough cash value being built up into people's life insurance policies. And so the way that these big insurance companies sometimes have settled those cases is by giving shares of stock in the company. And then we see people, I know you see people that will have, you know, 25 shares, 50 shares of stock in a corporation, and they don't even remember how they got it and why they have it. Or even know that they do have it. They just think that this... um small check that they may receive once or twice a year is something related to their life insurance policy. So it's important to check if you do get that kind of a check. (laughs) You know, as we think about baseball season, I like to think about Casey Stengel. Um, But he has some interesting things to say. Um, He was unique. (laughs) Well, he, he was a manager, but he said most ball games are lost, not won. Right. I watched uh, I watched our grandsons play recently, and um, they didn't uh, win the game, but they certainly lost the game, and they should have won it. So most games are lost and not won. Casey Stengel also said, 
Being with a woman all night never hurt no professional baseball player. It's staying up all night looking for a woman that does him in. <laughs> I like that one. So I've got a couple others. Well, i got a whole bunch of them, so I'm going to give you one more right now. He said, sure I played. Do you think I was born at the age of 70, sitting in a dugout trying to manage guys like you? <laughs> Good baseball quotation. Let's come back for a minute to the general advantages and disadvantages of having a corporation. Right. So we said corporation has limited liability. It has continuity. It continues in existence even if the shareholder dies. But it's also fairly easy to transfer shares of stock. You have a physical share of stock if you're a small business. You sign in the back and you endorse it over to somebody else. Maybe they pay you money for it. And then the corporation issues a new certificate in the name of the new person. Um, A corporation also has what's called centralized management. There's always a board of directors. It can be one person. It could be three people. It could be more. And the board of directors actually manages the affairs of the corporation, and it's the board of directors that elect the officers. You know, I've worked with small business corporations for many, many years, and I've also had some smart guys and women who basically said, I don't want to just have my own legal board of directors. I want to have some people who will come in and give me business advice when I need it. So they almost have like an advisory board to come in meet once a month, and make suggestions and recommendations about how to manage their business uh, better. There's also some very important tax and fringe benefits from having a corporation. Um, You can set up a tax-qualified retirement plan, like a 401k, for example. You could have medical and disability plans for employees. So I know, Tenny, the law firm provides medical insurance for its employees, and it has a 401k, and these are important fringe benefits that are set up through the corporation. And you can do salary continuation plans, group life insurance, and there's a lot of things you can do. Now, there are also a few disadvantages of corporations that I want to mention quickly. And one is that it costs money to set up a corporation. There's a filing fee to the Secretary of State's office. We'll talk about that in a minute. There's an annual minimum corporate excise tax that has to get paid in Massachusetts. You're supposed to observe corporate formalities. Like if you're going to have an annual meeting, take time out and sit down and have an annual meeting because you want to keep records also. You want to have minutes taken. You want to have an annual meeting recording. You want to make sure you file your annual report to the Secretary of State's office which, by the way, you can do it online. Then depending upon what kind of corporation you choose, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, um, you could have the possibility of double taxation. You could have a tax at the corporate level, and you could also have a tax at the individual level. So that's basically what I want to say right now. There's advantages in incorporating. There's some disadvantages. And And before... And there's some, you know, typical hassle of keeping the minutes and the records and filing the reports. But I always have thought that that was offset by the protection that a corporation gives you um, if you're a business owner. And the fact that uh, if anybody gets sued and they sue the corporation, then there are limited returns that somebody could get. Yep. And what happens, for example, if you decide, you know what, your business is doing so well, you want to acquire another business that's like yours. You want to buy out somebody else's business. It's both easier to buy and to sell if you get two corporations dealing with each other. It's easier to set up a payment plan, perhaps. And um, before we talk about the simplest form of business organization, I just have to say a couple more things about Casey Stengel. He said, there are three things you can do in a baseball game. You can win, or you can lose, or it can rain. (laughs) You like that one? I like that one. (laughs) Nobody wins, nobody loses. The game is called Because It Rains. (laughs) 
It's simple thinking. Or suppose you could have osprey flying over and dropping one of their fish on the ground. Yeah, it's, isn't that amazing that in Dartmouth? Crapo Field in Dartmouth sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, time out in the game. There's been a fish dropped on the ball field. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure if that's happened, but I have seen the carcasses of dead fish in the parking lot next right. to the ball field. Right, and it's it's fascinating to watch them in their nests on top of the big high field lights. Yep, everybody's got to eat, right? <laughs> so Casey Stengel also said, don't cut my throat. I may want to do that later myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've had days like that. Well, we've all had days like that. Let's come back to something else that I think is interesting. Um, I know you sit down and help people file corporations and form corporations and create the paperwork. Can you do it yourself? Maybe, but you don't necessarily know what you're doing. Uh, Attorney Tenny Lance, on the other hand, has done quite a number of corporations, and I've also done a number in the past. Let's take the very simplest form of business organization, which is a sole proprietorship. I never sit down with somebody and say, you've got a business going, and what are your revenues? Do you have any employees? If it's just you, maybe you don't need to incorporate just yet. Let's talk about the pros and cons of it. But if you're a sole proprietorship, you don't have to create a document to create the entity. Of course, if you die, then your business dies. And, and the liability for anything that goes wrong is all yours. Yep. The sole proprietor is personally liable for all debts, all aspects of the business. You can't get away from that. And um, you still have to file income taxes. So you would have, for example, if an individual income tax return, which is a 1040, but one of the schedules you would file usually if you're a proprietorship is a Schedule C which is an unincorporated association. But on that document, you can still report your income, but you can still write off some business expenses. So you gotta remember that. It's very important from a tax point of view. There are lots of deductions and benefits you can claim as a business, you know, writing off automobile expenses and car insurance. And, and you're like still that. talking about an unincorporated business. Basically, I'm talking about any kind of business. The rules are a little bit more complicated in some ways if you're a sole proprietorship because you might have to say that you're using 50% of the car for business and 50% for personal use. And you're still the individual owner of that vehicle, or you may have to keep mileage records and justify what you're claiming for expenses. So the record keeping is actually a little bit more difficult for an automobile for a proprietorship. But there's one really important thing you need to do if you're a proprietor, Tenny, uh, with the town clerk's office, isn't there? You gotta file a doing business certificate. A DBA, yes. And it's a requirement in Massachusetts. In most states, if you are operating a business and you're not incorporated, you got to file a doing business certificate. It's not expensive. It's probably only $30 or $50. I haven't done one for a while. Um, but make sure you do that. And again, it gives you a little bit more business credibility when you do that. So um, let's talk about the next link up on the chain, which is called a partnership. Um, you can be in business with another person or persons and have a partnership. Doesn't have to be written, but it's sort of maybe it's maybe it's kind of like living together or being married. What do you think, Tenny? If you don't have a written agreement, it's sort of like you're just living together. Um, if you have a partnership agreement, it's sort of like you're married. Do you like that analogy? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I just thought of that. I just came up with that. Well, that, that's a good thing to do that. This is all complicated stuff that we're talking about, and it's important to bring it down to uh, levels that are understandable by the ordinary person, not the tax expert like you. Yeah, or give us a call and ask for a report on the different types of business entities. So whether you're in business or thinking about going into business, maybe you have a business you operate out of your home or online. Maybe you ought to have some structure to that. What if you are buying and selling things on Facebook or one of the other accounts? I can't remember the other. What's the other account where you can sell and buy things online? Craigslist? 
eBay. eBay. Yeah, eBay. Maybe you might want to be more organized as a business to do that, and you could deduct some of your business expenses, maybe part of your electric bill for running your computer from home. But in any event, if you have a partnership, it can be an oral partnership. Yep, we're in partners. We're 50-50 partners. And what if you just keep going and all of a sudden your business is successful and you're making money and then one of the partners dies and you don't have a written agreement? And that partner's spouse is going to come along and say, hey, he owned half of this business. I'm entitled to half of it. Now you got a real mess on your hands. So you always should have a written partnership agreement. It's always best to have anything in writing when it comes to business. And um, that's something that uh, Tenny can help you with here. Um, there are all different kinds of partnerships. We're not even going to go into all of them. There's a general partnership, which is just for simplicity purposes. Say it's two people working together. They get a general partnership. But their written partnership agreement can provide um, that the partnership can continue or uh, what happens if somebody wants to retire or sell out their interest? Or what happens if somebody just dies? Um, does the other person get to keep the whole business? Or is there some language in there that talks about buying and selling out the interest? So lots and lots of things can be in a written partnership agreement. And what happens if one partner does something wrong? What impact is that on the other partner? Can you separate the two? Well, you can, and you can provide that if certain uh, negative things happen, then the partnership could be uh, dissolved, for example. But each partner in a partnership is personally liable for all the business debts or the liabilities. The partnership prepares a partnership income tax return, but any income passes through and gets paid to the individual partners, and they pick it up on their own individual tax return. It's like the partnership doesn't exist. It's invisible for tax purposes. Yeah, that's not a bad description. It's it's what we would call really a pass-through entity. And if one partner wants to get out, they want to dissolve the partnership, and they want to transfer their interest to somebody else, the partnership dissolves unless the remaining partners agree to a new uh, partner coming into the deal. And then the other important thing is either a sale or death will automatically dissolve the partnership unless you've got this written partnership agreement and it provides how it continues. So in real basic terms, for example, in a partnership, let's say that one partner dies and then the spouse of that partner wants to get paid the fair share. You can have language in the partnership agreement that will provide what happens and how do you value that interest Sometimes I've seen partnerships and helped to draft partnerships where it says every single year on a certain date, the partners get together and agree this is the value of the business. And that becomes the valuation of the partnership until the next date, next valuation date a year later. So then you don't have to fight about it, argue with a spouse of a deceased partner. You basically say, here's our agreement, and it provides in here that we valued it, and every January 2, we get together and we say, this is what the business is worth if one of us should die. And you can even provide that, you know, it, it may totally put the, the company out of business if it has to be paid as one lump sum. You could say, here's the valuation. It's worth $100,000. There's two partners. Each partner's got a $50,000 interest in the business, but there's not going to be enough money to pay it all at once. And so if one person dies, the valuation is already agreed upon, and it can be paid back over a five-year period. You pay $10,000 a year to buy out the interest. So there's lots of things you can do in a partnership agreement. And strong recommendation is even if you start simply, um, get a written partnership agreement. It's really very important. You know, when I talk with clients, I I generally tell them, no matter what they're doing, put it in writing. Families often will have some kind of an agreement between themselves that if a house is sold to one of the children for less than full market value, eventually that will all get divvied up so all the kids are treated equally. 
And I say, you know, it's so much better if you put that down in writing now so everybody understands. Same thing with this partnership situation. You know, that, that's a really important point because I've always told people over the years, especially between families and friends, have everything in writing. You know, you may lose a friend if you were um, in business with somebody, but uh, you don't want to break apart a family because of some business deal that's gone bad. Have, have everything in writing always between family especially. Casey Stengel once also said, speaking of baseball, were we speaking of baseball? <laughs> he said, I don't know if he throws a spitball, but he sure spits on the ball. Oh, gross. Well, baseball is kind of a gross sport sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> All right, I got to get rid of my Casey Stengel jokes. I think good. I only let's got, move on. I got two more from Casey Stengel. I got players with bad watches; they can't tell midnight from noon. I have to think about that one for a little bit. <laughs> what? I don't Never understand mind. that one. Never mind. And he also said, Casey Stengel, there comes a time in every man's life. And I've had plenty of them. <laughs> Pause. All right, are we are we finished with Casey? We're, we're done with Casey Stengel. No Yay. more Casey Stengel today, I promise. But you know, staying in business and doing business properly is all about making sure that money gets protected and people get protected. Um, so I'd like to start at this portion of our segment talking about. Uh, some other kinds of entities that we want to discuss. And it sort of gets a little bit more complicated as you get further into working with a corporation because you're going to think about fringe benefits, you're going to think about 401ks, you're going to think about buy-sell agreements, and what if you want to retire, and maybe you've got key employees that you want to let take over the business. Uh, There are many, many important issues to think about. But those are sort of down the line. What yeah, we're but, talking mm-hmm. about today is the differences between different types of businesses. And I've always been a supporter of corporations because, it's, as I said before, it's got everything in writing. Right. <clears throat> and it all, in the end, it talks about money, doesn't it? It all has to relate with money and saving money and making money. And spending it. No, I didn't say anything about spending it. (laughs) Rose Kennedy once said, I've had an exciting time. I married for love and got a little money along with it. (laughs) A little. (laughs) A little. (laughs) Good old Joe. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just found another Casey Stengel quotation. No, no, this is a good one. All right, everyone. Line up alphabetically according to your height. like that one (laughs) sounds like what happens in the southwest airlines (laughs) (laughs) that's true uh airlines are hurting today so let's let's go on and talk a little bit more about corporations um and remind everybody that you're listening to money wise every sunday morning and whether you're in business or whether you're not whether you have a friend who's thinking about being in business Um, make sure that person gets proper advice. Make sure they sit down with Attorney Tenny Lance. Sometimes I will tell people that, you know, it's okay to be a proprietorship for a while to make sure your business is going to stick and get going. But before you get too far into that proprietorship, you want to think about incorporating. So we've already talked a little bit about some of the advantages and disadvantages. And we've got things called business events checklist. Um, owner planning needs, employment practices. Um, by the way, if you have employees, you have to carry insurance for the employees, don't you, Tenny? What type of insurance? Workers' compensation Okay. insurance. Not medical, dental. That's not a requirement, no, it's but not it's a, requirement a benefit. It's not required that you carry health insurance for individuals. Uh, the companies here have chosen specifically to do that. But you got to carry workers' comp insurance because if not and somebody gets injured at work, it could be as simple as tripping over something and falling down, uh, they could be injured and they could end up suing you. On the other hand, if you've got workers' comp insurance, that's what it's designed to take care of. But it is a requirement. Uh, 
even if you're a proprietorship or a partnership, if you've got employees, you got to carry it. And if you're paying yourself as an employee, you need it for yourself as well. So let's talk about corporations. Um, it's fairly straightforward to form a corporation, but you have to have articles of organization. They get filed with the Secretary of State's office. That can be done electronically now. You need at least a president, a treasurer, and a clerk. It can be all the same person. You need to have an annual uh, time period. What's the annual anniversary date of the corporation? Do you want to be on the calendar year? Do you want to be on a fiscal year? You want your year to end on June 30th, or do you want it to end on December 31st? And then when you meet with whoever is doing your income tax returns, you want to know, are you going to be on a cash basis, which means you report income as you take it in, and you deduct expenses as you pay them out, or do you want to be on an accrual basis, which means the minute you send somebody a bill, that comes on in your books as income. And the minute you have a bill to pay, uh, that's an expense that you have to report. So there's accounting things to think about. There's tax things to think about. Um, you need to have somebody typically designated as a resident agent. Again, this can all be the same person. But you might have different reasons for naming different people to do different things. And I know a lot of times, Tenny, when you've helped people form a corporation, somebody from the law firm, one of the lawyers might end up being the clerk of the corporation because you might be the record keeper for the company. Could be, yep. So a basic corporation is called a C corporation. And a special corporation that you have to make an election for is called an S corporation. So because it's subchapter C of the Internal Revenue Code and subchapter S of the Internal Revenue Code, where those things are discussed. I want you to, uh, ladies and gentlemen, know that sometimes this stuff may sound a little boring, but the message ought to be that this is really complicated stuff and you need to get some professional advice when you're setting it up. Uh, in January of this year, specifically on uh, January 22, I attended a special tax program. And on our first day, we had a three-hour and 15-minute program course on just called Starting Off on the Right Foot While Avoiding Foot Faults. They like cute titles. Issues at the Formation of the Closely Held Business. And I've got something like, well, let's see these pages are numbered. Yeah, I've got um, about 40 pages worth of materials here on just the subject of things you need to think about when you're starting a corporation. Now, what's a closely held corporation versus any other kind of corporation? Good question. Uh, another substitute word might be privately held corporation. So it's a closely held corporation with private individuals as opposed to a publicly held corporation where you've got shares that are traded on a stock market, for example. So, I think so that's that, pretty simple to understand. I, yeah. think, I think the problem that people have is that they uh, just think that the things are way beyond them and then they kind of tune out. Um, but most of this is just sort of sensible information. You just kind of have to get definitions and make comparisons between types of things like corporations. Yeah, and a lot of this article um, had to do with choice of entity. It's talking about um, don't make contributions into a partnership, for example, um, if they're really going to be strictly for your personal use. Uh, this is not an article that I would pass out to the public. It's far more complicated. Uh, as I said, it's, it's actually probably more like 60 or 70 pages, I guess. Very, very uh, detailed information about tax issues and so forth. But yes, it can be discussed and handled on a much simpler basis. So a basic corporation that people form is typically a C corporation. Uh, you pay a filing fee. And we've got a whole schedule of filing fees that we can share this with people if they would like it. So the cost to start a uh, limited liability company and a corporation 
Um, in Massachusetts, uh, they're about the same. Let me just make sure it's directly the same. Uh, we've got a whole chart here for that. Well, most corporations just, pay two seventy-five to get started. You just introduced something that's different. You talked about a limited liability corporation. That's not a C corporation. Nope. So thank you for so reminding you, me of you that. You need to explain that to the poor people out there. The problem is I've got so many things I want to talk about, I have to talk really fast. I know. Your brain just skips ahead. Well, a filing fee for articles of organization in Massachusetts is $275. That's a regular corporation, one that regular anybody in business might be likely to get together. Yep, and they've got a lot of little sub-fees. Now, contrast that with a limited liability company, which we'll talk about briefly as well. That's a $500 filing fee. Um, foreign corporations, say there's a Rhode Island corporation, they can register to do business in Massachusetts. That's a $400 fee. Um, and limited partnerships and nonprofits also have um, a very much different fees. Nonprofit, for example, pays $35 to file articles of organization. I didn't even have that on my list to talk about today. I've actually created quite a number of nonprofit corporations over the years. So, um, but the C corporation is a basic corporation. Uh, stock can be transferred out to other people. It can be uh, the subject of a buy-sell agreement. It can be transferred to heirs. As Tenny mentioned earlier, if you have a C corporation, you've got shares in your corporation, and you do a trust transfer the title to those shares to the name of your trust so that it won't go through probate later. Um, so you do have the possibility of double taxation with a C corporation. A corporation is going to pay tax on its net income. You can deduct salaries. They have to be reasonable salaries. Um, you can also write off a lot of things as expenses such as car, car costs, car insurance costs. An S corporation, on the other hand, is taxed differently. And there's some limitation on an S corporation. You can only have 100 resident U.S. shareholders, for example, um, in an S corporation. The main difference between a C and an S is an S corporation doesn't pay a separate corporate income tax. Rather, everything gets passed through to the individual shareholders. So it's a pass-through entity. And that can be an interesting thing because not only do you pick up the, your share of the income, but if there were losses, you're going to be able to pick up those losses and take them on your own individual tax return. So some good tax reasons, some good practical reasons to have an S corporation. Normally you make that election right at the same time when you form the basic uh, corporation, the basic C corporation you file a separate S election with the IRS. If you haven't done that and you're still operating a C corporation, you can go back after the fact and change it over to an S corporation. To, but there's some tax uh, things you need to take a look at, at when you're doing that, and there's a limited time period. I think it's like right after the first of the year you have to do that. You can't do it any time during the year itself. So we've probably lost a lot of people who are kind of dazed out. Right. Do we have any good quotes or anything to lighten up the their lives? Yes. Did you ever hear Galileo? Um, I never knew him. Do you know what Galileo's last name was? No. Galileo Galilei. <laughs> you never knew that, did you? No. I didn't remember that. You have to I wonder started. about parents and how they named their kids. No, it's a true story. Well, Galileo once said. I never met a man so ignorant that I couldn't learn something from him. Well, he was a good man. Yep. And then, of course, Robert Frost said, I always entertain great hopes. So our great hope today is that some of this is registering you're learning something from it. Well, I think the important thing to note of all that we're talking about today is that there are different kinds of entities for different kinds of situations or purposes. Um, maybe we want to talk a little bit about what I see a lot because I know that many people in our area own rental property. 
And when people come in and talk to me about owning rental corporation uh, rental properties, I ask them how they own them. Do they own them in their own names? Um, and that always gets into a discussion about something called a limited liability corporation. If you mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit more about that, Ray, and sure. what the purpose is. I can do that. And um, first of all, I want to mention that as, as we think about politics in our day and age, this is a quotation I think is appropriate for any politician at any time from Groucho Marx. He said, those are my principles. And if you don't like them, well, I have others. (laughs) And Bernard Baruch once said, vote for the man who promises the least. He'll be the least disappointing. Yeah, but also boring. Well, you got to think about that one. Well, in any event, um, so we've talked a little bit about proprietorships and partnerships and corporations and some differences between C-Corps and S-Corps. We also have limited liability companies. You can have a limited liability corporation. You can have a limited liability partnership, LLP, LLC. Uh, You can have something called just a plain old limited liability company. Uh, And I know that you and your office, Tenny, have done a lot of LLC entities. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, give Tenny a call at 508-998-8800, and she can help sit down with you and guide you in the right direction for what should you create as an entity. So uh, LLCs, basically um, the members of an LLC, so let's say there's five people that form a limited liability company, they can transfer their interests without consent but unless they're restricted by something called an operating agreement. So a corporation has bylaws that govern how the entity will function, what kind of votes you need for certain things. A limited liability company has something called an operating agreement. So you file this, and as I say, it can be done online. But then you want to have a detailed operating agreement that spells out all, all the specifics of how you buy, how you sell, what you can what your main purpose is, how you can transfer interest. I think one of the main purposes of that is who's going to be the manager and what rights does the manager do to make decisions on behalf of the company and what doesn't he have the right to and what are his um, responsibilities. Yep, and so often it will say if you've got um, a couple of partners, a couple of managers who are managing this for the entire limited liability company, they might have the ability to sell property or do something, but they have to have a certain percentage vote in order to do that. They have to have two-thirds vote or 75% vote. You can make those decisions in the operating agreement, but you don't necessarily want to be tied up by the refusal of one member to give their consent. So if you're a person who owns um, three or four three-family units um, in New Bedford, what is the advantage of owning them under your own name, or why would you want to form an LLC? Well, we know a lot of people, um, even in the city of New Bedford and Fall River, that will have multiple properties. Right. And if you have an LLC that owns this property— Liability is limited to the assets of the company and not to the member's personal assets. So it gives a protection similar to a corporation. For example, if you have your own residence and you also have a a three-family home and somebody gets injured or dies because of maybe your negligence in the three-family, the liability is going to be simply to the value of that asset owned by the limited liability company. They're not going to be able to go after your individual house unless you're personally negligent for something. So that's what I really want to um, have acknowledged because I hear a lot about that with people who come in to see me. And I try to stress the importance of limiting your liability. That's obviously the name for the, for the corporation. Well, I want to say something really quickly. Um, a lot of times the law firm will recommend using something called a nominee trust to hold title. 
and that shows the public that there's a trust that owns the property, but you don't have to list who the underlying beneficiaries are. And that's another way to do it. Really, very quickly, I had a client in Boston with $50 million worth of three-family and six-family homes. And they came not to do estate planning and, and financial planning. They were concerned about liability because everything was in the same company name. And I had them split it all up into separate nominee trusts and separate LLCs simply to create the liability protection. So that was a complicated case, but there's a lot of good things you can do uh, to protect your assets. And we've had a lot of complicated discussions this morning. Uh, perhaps we've lost some people, but the important thing to remember is that we can provide advice about what's best for you. Yep. So we've got something called a business events checklist, which we can provide, you know, uh, areas of common concern, business continuation. We've got a lot of good information. Um, give me a call at 508-998-8858 or give t- Attorney Tenny Lance or Attorney Mike Coleman a call and schedule a time to come in and talk about your business, your planned business, your existing business. What about your retirement plans? What if you've got one partner that wants to retire and leave? Have you made arrangements for that? We can help with all these things. And it's real important stuff. I'm going to close today uh, in just a minute, Tenny. Um, I kind of like this one. Uh, P.G. Uh, Woodhouse once said, there is only one cure for gray hair. It was invented by a Frenchman. It's called a guillotine. Oh, no. I think about it's when I get gross. my hair cut and I see ladies in the next chair, they're getting the hair colored. I mean, it's hard to tell what somebody's true color hair is these days sometimes. Well, I haven't known mine for 45 years. <laughs> No comment. (laughs) Just keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) George Carlin once said, May the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house. Ah, good one. George Carlin is very good. I'm going to give you one more quotation and then basically say goodbye to everybody. Francois Rabelais, If the skies fall, one may hope to catch larks. Isn't that cute? Nice. I like that one. So as we sign off today, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Take some time to uh, ask us to send some forms. Make an appointment to come in. We're here to help, and that's all we do. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>